0: Attention, please. Places for Top of Show. Places for Top of Show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone! Welcome to this week's episode of Twin Stock Theater. Today we have Anna Robinson. She is a set and projection designer, or sometimes she's called a media designer. I worked with her on East West Players' Mamma Mia. She was the set designer for that. She originally comes from New Zealand, but came over here to California uh, for grad school and went to UC San Diego. And yeah, we're excited to have her on. She does a lot of cool stuff. And it was her set. I'm sure if you follow us on Facebook or anything, you saw all the pictures I posted constantly of the, the beautiful set. So welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So we always like to start with, because it's always interesting to see how people got into theatre. How did you get into theatre? Do you have family in it, or you just kind of happened to it as a kid?
1: Yeah, so um, my dad uh, is an opera singer back in New Zealand.
0: Nice!
1: Uh, Yeah, and so I was surrounded by that a lot growing up, and both my older sisters are opera singers and singers of their own Sort so um I was surrounded by that a lot and I was always myself I was always a, a performer so I've done dancing for over 20 years um and so ever since I can remember I've been both a dance performer um and so that I don't know how I got into it but I was just always surrounded by theater and performance um. But set design and projection design was something that I never really knew about, and I never really knew that I wanted to do that. Um, But I feel like I was kind of preparing for it my whole life because of a being a performer, and then also uh, my mum is a graphic designer, and so visual art was also a big part of growing up. And so combining my father's passion and my mother's passion um kind of led me to being a set designer and a projection designer and a visual artist in 3d space
0: that's so cool that like you grew up in it cindy and i our dad's a scientist and so we didn't grow up in the theater we didn't even really start going to theater until we joined in like high school so You have years and years of experience (laughs) of what it's like to be backstage or have a parent who's in the world.
1: Yeah, well, I spent most of my childhood and my teenage years wanting to be an actress and wanting to be in the front of the stage. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) looking back on it now, it's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, I didn't switch over to being more focused on the backstage until I got to uh, university. And did my undergraduate in, in Wellington. But you oh.
0: still do perform as a dancer, or do you mostly? No, I definitely
1: perform. Well, over here, I haven't performed so much. I, I Over here, it's nice because I can go back to the basics of being a student myself in dance. Um, in New Zealand, I performed a lot. I was part of a, a competitive dance crew. Um, we traveled all, all over the world dancing, and I was a dance teacher and a choreographer. but. Over here in America, it's really nice and refreshing to go back to learning and working on my on, on my dance ability, I guess, um, and not having the pressure of of having to perform um, or having to uh, compete in competitions.
0: Do you take classes and stuff over here still? Then
1: yeah, I try to take as many classes as I can, um, but. Obviously it gets tricky. I can't really get into a regular routine because working in theater gets you inside the dark theater box um for a long periods of time at night time, which is when all the the dance classes that I want to take <laughs> are. So, I try as much as I can, but um it's definitely it's definitely I do it for for fun, I do it for um my well being and my soul. Um, and then also, it's a great form of exercise. So, if anyone needs to
0: exercise,
1: go to a dance class.
0: <laughs> so That's true. I have exercise videos that I do at home, but it took me like four weeks of doing them almost every day before I actually felt comfortable enough to even do them in front of my husband. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- these are so simple. I watch people do them all the time. And I'm like, I can't get my, my body to function properly. But now that I, like, know them well enough. And right I, I did my
1: first, um, like, I tried a, a box a exercise video to do boxing the other day, and I felt very
0: silly. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a specific kind, like I've seen your videos of dance and you do kind of a hip hop. Did you you start in hip hop? Do you, are you trained classically in like ballet and all the classical arts?
1: No. So I, like every five-year-old, I did a ballet class um, and I quickly got bored of that. And then I went on and did some gymnastics and then that got really intense. So I stopped that. Um, and it wasn't till I was about ten that I picked hip hop dancing up. Um and then when I got to high school, um one of the like the um the older students who is kind of the school leader, she she did hip hop dancing and I really wanted to be like her and so I started properly doing it from like the age of thirteen and then it kind of increased and in, and is now something that if I don't do it, I feel very weird. My, I don't feel right if I'm, not, if I'm not doing dancing of some sort, primarily hip-hop. Um, but I can definitely not do classical ballet or tap <laughs> dancing. Um, I can probably pretend uh, and pull off a very beginner um, ballet, but nothing more than that. Nothing more than a pretend (laughs) ballet,
0: Which is more than Cindy or I could even pretend to pretend (laughs) to do. (laughs) So then you got interested in set design and or projection and and design in the 3D world. Do we have no idea how the New Zealand schools work? Do they have a degree in set design? Is it a degree in theater? Does it change depending on where you're at?
1: Yeah, so I... When I wanted to be an actress, I, after high school, I I auditioned for the New Zealand School of Drama, which is our top um, acting school, uh, and I didn't get in. And so in the meantime, I decided to go to um, Victoria University in Wellington and just do a Bachelor of Arts in theatre so that I would be doing something for that year. And then the following year, I'd re-audition for drama school. Um, And I re-auditioned for drama school, and I didn't get in a second time. And so I think I realised something then, Um, but I still did my theatre degree, uh, my Bachelor of Arts theatre degree, and it's very um, broad and uh, doesn't get very specific until like the second and the third year. So after the first year, I was like very uh, uninterested in it. Um, But then in my second year, uh, there was one paper called scenography, um, and this was kind of of introduction to set design uh, where we learned the basics of hand drafting and model building and design for theatre um, and in this class the final project was to design the set for the show that was going to be produced the following year the big production for the third year students um, and from our class the director would choose whose set would be built and oh, that's super he chose cool. my set yeah and your first
0: your first time ever designing something yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. first time designing something and and he chose my set and I still remember very vividly the moment where I found out that it was going to be um my design and I was I was at work which at the time was at a dance studio and there was nobody else there and I read the email that my set got selected and I literally just ran up and down the the hallways in the dance studio <laughs> like a maniac, but <laughs> it was a very, very visceral reaction to this. Um, and so the following year, my 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 design, we we built it and we um, fully produced it, and and that kind of kicked everything off. Um, and then at the same time, I was also studying film, and so I was learning how to um, direct and be the uh, do cinematography or um short films. And then my final thesis project, looking back on it now, I don't realize how I got to this, but my final thesis project was all about um projection in theater and how how you can project and paint life with projected light and and change the the state of a solid set into something that's malleable and and um plastic and transformable and so looking back on my undergraduate which was theater um, film and final thesis and projection I I can completely see where I the path that I took to kind of get where I am right now which is being a, a set and a projection designer
0: that is super cool did that was a lot the, of words yeah. <laughs> no that's excellent being <laughs> a have you didn't have a lot of experience designing sets or you didn't say you had any experience mm. building sets how was it then having your set built how much did the technical director have to come back and be like this platform is 3 inches too big or this doesn't make sense in the logical world or did you just subconsciously understand all that well
1: i had a great um professor his name was jim davenport and um he kind of took us through the whole process and as a class um, in my third year and that scenography class, we all kind of combined together to figure out how to um, build the set or how to paint it. Um, but it, was, it wasn't it was as technical as things over here where you have to do a full package of drafting and paint elevations. I, I certainly did some hand drafting, uh, which is funny, um and <laughs> yeah I built a model um but nothing as technical as what I do over here and so when I came over here for grad school I had no clue how to draft anything on the computer um I could build models but I had no idea what I was doing um uh yeah in CAD or Vectorworks. and so that was one of the biggest things that I've learned over here and still am learning because there's a lot
0: to know. Oh, that brings up two questions. One, (laughs) I mean, I was, I was taught on hand drawing too, because they said you needed to learn that before using computers. So I guess the first question is, were people using computers? I mean, that's kind of a dumb question, but like, were people using computers over there as drawings? Like, did you see professors and stuff bringing in computer drawings? Or was it mostly hand drawings over there? Or well, were they even doing drawings? Really,
1: we didn't do a lot of it. Yeah, because uh, by the time I had done my undergrad, I had just done these two classes um, in scenography, and that was it for in terms of design for theater. That was all that was offered. There was wow. nothing else that you could possibly have done. So um so my professor at the time when he knew that I was applying for grad school, he was like, Hey Anna, I think you're gonna have to learn or at least start practicing um drafting on the computer. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I will, I will. I didn't. Um <laughs> I mean, a big learning curve when I got over here. Um but yeah, so in terms of my experience at university, we didn't do a whole lot. Um but I did do set design work after undergraduate. There was about two years in between my undergraduate and my um, coming over here for grad school. And so I would do set designs for a lot of um, theatre companies that had come out of um, my theatre degree. And that was pretty much uh, work with the team. Uh, New Zealand theatre is very um, DIY. We make a lot of our own stuff. It's very heavily based in devised theatre we don't do a whole of classical work so it's very Mm. new and um putting it together as a team um and so typically with all my designs um outside of uh university in Wellington it was just do some sketching and provide the design in sketch form and then I would go and build it and my um my my stepdad is a builder and so he would teach me how to how to do all these things but yeah it was very kind of grassroots and hands-on as opposed to doing a drawing package handing that off to somebody else
0: oh man so i should have brought you in and been like here you spackle the set (laughs) <laughs> you had plenty well, you, of other things to do
1: job. you did a really really great job
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I was like the set designer coming and spackle the set no <laughs> that's excellent though I that you, you actually know how I to do it
1: Mamma Mia was the execution of Mamma Mia my Mamma Mia design was just pretty flawless so thank you very much Stacey yeah. for making it beautiful because Mamma Mia is now selling out then is two weeks of extensions. and
0: yeah. yeah they say it's doing as well as allegiance which was a year and a half ago and in a much bigger theater so excellent uh, okay so then excellent. second question <laughs> mm-hmm. why why did you come to america versus london or paris or another theater hotspot I mean, you went to San Diego, yeah, which so, has a good program, but not mm-hmm. really known for huge theatre.
1: Well, the UC San Diego Theatre Program is pretty um, prominent. So um, it's it's definitely one of the high-ranking theatre um, uh, MFA programs. But when I was out of undergraduate and just doing these um, kind of small-ish set designs around Wellington. I um, did that for about two years and I felt a little bit stuck, not only in that, but in in what I was doing. It wasn't like I could only do that as a career. I had to do other jobs. Um, And so a lot of my friends, or pretty much every young adult in New Zealand, travels outside of New Zealand at some point um, to go have a big overseas experience. And I hadn't done that either. And 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 it just occurred to me that if I wanted to do set design as a career, if I wanted to pursue that, I needed to learn more about it, and I needed to because I'd only taken two classes in it, and I needed to learn more about it in a place that is much bigger and does things on a bigger scale and does more things and has more people. And that of course is America. <laughs> um, and so I didn't even really kind of factor in other places. I I, I kind of had my sights set on, on coming over to America um, and I just literally applied for every kind of grad school that seemed okay. <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was doing um, and yeah, and, and then so I think I decided around October of 2014 that I wanted to to come over here for grad school and I applied and then in February 2015, my mum and I uh, came over here and did a whirlwind tour and interviews at a whole bunch of grad schools um, and my final stop on that tour was a 20-minute interview. UC San Diego before flying to New Zealand that afternoon um (laughs) and and it was very fast and the professor was also leaving so he said that if I was accepted that he doesn't know who's going to be the professor um so yeah it was just this 20 minute chunk of time but but it felt really, really awesome out there and it felt quite familiar to New Zealand because San Diego is all by the ocean and New Zealand is completely by the ocean. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then, and, then, and then I found out that I got accepted to UC San Diego on my birthday. Nice! Um, and and I, like when, I like when dates line up and so that was, that was a really good sign
0: how did you know what other grad schools to apply to because like I mean college in general growing up in California we obviously knew like every school in California and then we actually had classes in high school where like you sat and looked at different colleges for your major and all these things but never once did it ever come up in any class to go overseas so yeah did you just do research or did you talk to
1: people well my professor at uh, undergrad the scenic design professor um, he was he's actually Hawaiian so he had mentioned that that the possibility of grad school in America was there for me um, and my mum has always been a big advocate in uh, in having this kind of higher education outside of New Zealand because there are a lot of places that you can get higher education on a scholarship. So you can actually um, get a, a pretty high and well-recognized degree for not a lot of money, which is al- always going to be very exciting for everybody. Yes. Um, but in terms of choosing which schools to apply for, I, I did the typical like top 10 MFA theater design courses Um and I got a whole bunch of the kind of classics that you'd think of, and mm-hmm. and then I started looking for which ones would offer scholarships or um, financial aid um, for international students, and so that played a big part in it. Um, but really, I was just kind of flying blind, and was extremely lucky that I landed for twenty minutes in uh, in San Diego.
0: Yeah, because then it was what a sixteen hour flight back home. <laughs> Way too long. <laughs> it's
1: 12. Uh, okay, yeah, but so exaggerated. exaggerate. You start doing travel on either side, it definitely, definitely adds up. And so, I, that year, I actually did the flight to America and back three times. So, oh, had, um, oh my gosh, lost a lot of days and gained a lot of days with the whole time difference.
0: Yeah, so I, I hope I'm you have good like airplane mileage. mileage.
1: Yeah, I should have been signed up for some mile program, but I wasn't.
0: Oh. No, Sad. Sorry. sorry, twin said again. I said, "Why did you fly so many times?" Because of more grad school applications or audition.
1: No, so I I came over in February um, for my interview tour, and then later that year in August, um, the dance crew that I was in in New Zealand called Infinite Dance Crew. We came over to LA for a dance competition, um, and then the following month in September, I came back here for the start of grad school. So I was just hopping hopping between hemispheres
0: that's amazing (laughs) yeah five hours to new york between california and new york exactly i just did that trip last week and i was like ah this is annoying (laughs) yep 12 hours so did you when you come out to san diego for specifically was it scenic design or was it media yeah
1: Yeah, so it was a is it an mfa in scenic design and then the the whole side of me the projection side of me um kind of happened along the way during that degree and and people that I was working with and directors that I was working with uh were interested in using projection in their in their pieces and um my first encounter with it was um, in my second year, my first main stage show, we did View Carey by Tennessee Williams, um, and it was directed by a third year directing student called Will Detliffson, who's a very very dear friend and now collaborator. Um, and he approached me and and said that he was really interested in using uh, live video in that show, and uh, and that the kind of concept behind the design would be this pretty minimal stark um exposed space so we we can we took out all of the masking in the theater and and that led left us with a 70 foot wall the back wall of the theater fully exposed um and perfect for giant live feed projection and and at first I was a little bit confused with how this was going to work and and the set was really minimal so I was also a bit like huh not doing a whole lot because there's only like a couple of things on stage, um, but throughout the process, I, I learned that even with something so minimal, theres so much design that you have to put into it and, and so many uh, really critical decisions to make a minimal space still feel like um, an environment and feel like a, a place for these performers to inhabit. Um, and in this live video. It felt, once we started working with a camera and working with a projector, I was able to pull all of this um, knowledge that I had got in my undergraduate when I was studying film and put it into this into theatre design and things just started clicking from that point on. And, and then nearly every project I did after that had some element of video or projection design. Um, and I started... Thinking about set design and projection design completely intertwined, and how how I can use both those um, elements together uh, in design to create um, transformable spaces. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my interest in projection stems from kind of growing up around graphic design my whole life, and 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 studying film and undergrad, and the combination of those two things. And set design—it just—it all kind of goes full circle, um, and hopefully, we'll keep going full circle for a long time.
0: <laughs> Did you just project the back wall?
1: Yeah, we we just had two projectors, and we projected on the black back wall of the theater. Um, and we, because we had this huge space, it felt very large and cavernous, and we wanted the projection to. Um, help us to retain that sense of intimacy that the Tennessee Williams play um, needs. Um, And so even if an actor was standing 70 feet away from you, with our live camera and our choice of shots, we were able to project them giant scale up on their facial expressions, giant up on the wall. um, And the subtlety in their performance was not lost by the size of the space, because we could enhance it with with projected imagery um, to be, you know, thirty feet tall. Um, so yeah, it was this it was this way to retain intimacy within this ginormous space, um, and not feel that connection with the actor has been lost.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Usually people think of projections as like pre-design as opposed to live camera. I've not only like one show have I done or maybe two where we actually use live camera. Usually it's yeah, pre-designed material and we just hit. Totally. And it's, and it's, it's things like
1: textures or, or, um, things that indicate like a landscape or an environment and 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 this was this was completely different it was this beautiful combination of film and theater um in a really non-alienating way um I think a lot of the audience probably had to get used to the fact that they could see a performer and see a cameraman who was our director will um, Mm -hmm. but then also be able to look up on the wall if they if they wanted to. So the audience would have to play this game of where they wanted to look, but with a huge backdrop of, of that same actor's face. Um, It just, yeah, it it blended so well. Um, And yeah, it was, it was in terms of the set design for that show, uh, Will and I, we've now worked on four or five shows together, but we, um, we coined a term, which I can't exactly remember. It's either minimal maximal maximalism or maximum minimalism, or, or some <laughs> combination of words that sound like that. Um, and we just think that it's this um, this minimal um, space with these huge broad strokes um, embedded into it. So it's not doing too much with with the things, but it's having something that is just giant. So either this large scale video, or or um, we've had a show, which the same show actually, but we had rain that happened at the at the end of the play. Um, so it's yeah, doing the most in a small um,
0: aesthetic. Mm-hmm. As soon as you said those words, even. Even though you weren't quite sure what they were, I was like, I can totally picture yeah. that. I know exactly what you're talking about. It makes perfect sense. Good. I'm glad because I don't Cindy- think my words, actually. <laughs> <be> no, in- <laughs> Cindy loves that found space, different creative pull weird things together stuff. She like thrives yeah. yeah. on <laughs> it. Sometimes it's like, yeah, a handful of props and like a few platforms and 10 lights. You know, you can just do some amazing work and
1: Yeah, totally. And I I also like to think of of my set designs as these things based quite um, heavily in art installations and and art installations just need to be one singular thing that tell a whole story of this piece of artwork. And so um, I definitely approach things like that. Mm -hmm.
0: So when you started doing video, did you have to... I guess because you already had a background in film, I was gonna say, did you have to teach yourself any video program like Watch Out or um, there's another one I can't remember the name of?
1: There are plenty and yes, I had to yeah. learn them all. Um and because we because projection wasn't um really a part of our course at UC San Diego, we had a few classes in it, but it wasn't a specified design discipline. Um A lot of it I just had to kind of learn on the go and learn from other students who had done it and and learn from the professor or the technical staff kind of on the fly. So, um, yeah, Watch Out, which is the projection software, which most, oh, not most actually, I don't know. I don't know how many people use it, but it's a very prominent piece of projection software. I I had to learn... um, I'm by myself and I'm still learning right now. I'm working with a video designer who was like, so who trained you in watch out? And I said, mm, not really anyone. And he said, okay, we're going to fix that. So <laughs> right now I'm, I'm going through a big learning curve to watch out, which is awesome.
0: Did, when you did That's the video. Really cool. What other? We're on a time lapse. What other one? I think Cindy was saying what other ones have you used?
1: Uh, I've used QLab. Um, it's, it's kind of the, the base program, I guess. Um, it doesn't have that much functionality, but um, it's good for smaller projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then Isadora is another piece of software, which is probably right. for me the most difficult one to learn just because of the way it's um, set up. But it allows for so much kind of live uh, manipulation of of content
0: when you did the the stuff with the live video, how much like did you have to get that in rehearsal early on because that's a whole nother directing rehearsal where's the camera looking? what facial expressions are you picking up? what angle are they on
1: yeah totally so so throughout rehearsal. Um, Will, the director, um, made sure that, that kind of the performance um, from the actors was, was very, uh, I guess, non-theatrically over the top. Um, it was very true, it was very subtle, because we knew that we were going to be able to um, show the subtlety in those facial expressions, like 30 feet tall on a wall. Um, but we, we did, we brought the camera in and set up a little monitor, um, so that we could kind of choose which shots we wanted. And then we storyboarded the entire thing, like you'd storyboard a film, um, to, to make sure that we were seeing something different than what we could see with our eyes. So in the audience, you can see the performance, but. If they're facing away from you you can see their movement but you can't see their face and so we we've found moments where we would obscure the performer from the physical audience but show them to the audience on the wall in a way that they can't physically see that's really interesting
0: yeah that's like a whole nother level to acting in theater
1: Totally. Yeah. And it was, that was the first time that I'd worked with Will um, and really worked with this kind of um, projection technique and, and it, it yeah, it was, it was an incredible learning
0: process. And since then you've done quite a few things with film and projections. Have you done a lot more with that live projection or, uh, is that something you really want to go towards is more of that?
1: Yeah, well, I haven't done a lot more with live projection because that's such a heavy um, concept for, for a show. Um, and so it's definitely not, not the first kind of thing that I would offer up. Um, it, I feel like that needs to, if the director's got a concept, I think live video would be a part of it if they wanted to use it. And so... Since that, I haven't done a whole lot of it and it's mainly been um, pre-created um, projection content, very heavily kind of graphic design-based. Um, and, yeah, I, I I mean, I would love to work in film again. I think the live video really reignited my, my interest in film. But, um, yeah, I'm, I would be happy to use it again now that I know how to do it, but that opportunity hasn't come up yet.
0: Yeah, it doesn't just fit with any production. That would make sense. No, So you do set design and projections, but when I first met you, like what, one show before Mamma Mia? You were the (laughs) uh, assistant set designer to um, Caitlin How How do you feel like being an assistant designer, does it help you to be a designer working with somebody else and figuring out their designs?
1: yeah I definitely think it helps i also I spent a lot of my final year at grad school assisting my professor robert brill on on some major musicals that he was doing and so when you're an assistant it's it's this perfect opportunity to be working but also a hundred percent learning from these people who have had more experience than you and have have a different aesthetic to you so you you're fully um involved in understanding someone else's design choices and seeing the way that they make um, decisions and designs in a different way that you would and being able to pull from that now um, to enrich your own design kind of skill set so I think I think assisting uh, first of all I learn so much when I assist um, uh, and it's yeah, it's nice. It's still nice to have that balance between doing my own designs and also assisting because of it. it's it's learning in a different way.
0: Was it a thing? Because the model you built for both uh Gone and Mama Mia were just gorgeous and i feel like building models is something that not as many people do anymore because of being able to draft 3d and stuff on the computer uh do you find it useful to build the models you think it helps the actors and directors and all understand it or do you just like doing it so (laughs) you do it
1: i mean i love building models i it was one it's one of my favorite um things to do because it feels like you're doing something very creative with your hands um but at the moment, um, I wouldn't build a model for every show. It's kind of if, if the director or the theatre um, need it, then I will build a model. Um, if if I'm really kind of struggling with how to like come up with the idea, then I'll build like a white model and not fully. Develop it there, but be able to see things in three D space because I think that's super important. Um, but the fully executed models, like for Mamma Mia and Vietgone, they were really important for both the director to understand the space, but then they're also important as a designer to see your kind of your paint ideas um, in three D um, and under actual light, as opposed to as an LED computer screen because light is always going to be very different in 3D, um, in actual 3D, not in computer 3D. (laughs) Um, And so I definitely think a model is super important as part of the process. And I love
0: doing it. I mean, it's just rather expensive to build one, isn't it? It is
1: very expensive. Um, They can get like, yeah, insanely expensive. And the models that um, I've worked on for Robert Brill's uh, the musicals that he was designing. Um, they were definitely very pricey. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's why now, as a as a freelance new freelance designer, um, sometimes a model isn't isn't a cost effective way of using my time. <laughs> Which sounds silly. I should do more models, but sometimes you just can't.
0: No they they take a and lot of time. I'm curious about. Do you charge the company the the like price it costs to build them of materials and time if a company keeps it or how do you negotiate that?
1: Uh that's a good question um which I probably should know the answer for um but yeah at the moment uh it just kind of I've I built up a whole lot of supplies through grad school um that I use but um, mm-hmm. I think I think if a model was gonna actually put me out of pocket or start to be more expensive, then I would definitely charge the company for it um but mm-hmm. so far it's just been I've been able to use what I already have and it's I'm not begrudgingly using that I'm using that because I've got it and I don't have to go out to the store but mm-hmm. I'm sure in the future when when things get a little bit more um uh intense than then yeah so I definitely know the models were not for for these big musicals that I worked on they would not be um coming out of the designer's pocket there's a
0: yeah
1: yeah there's a set a set amount of money that can be put towards that I think I think I'm still learning all of this so if anyone out there listening knows more please tell me
0: <laughs> yeah that couple of times I've built them I've just been we got a bunch of stuff around the house because we do a lot of artsy-craftsy things. So yeah. I might buy, like, a sheet of foam core, but then everything else yeah, is like, where do you have the paint and the glue yeah. and everything else? Yeah. I've just seen some, especially in opera, some really, really detailed models, especially mm-hmm. like the one we just had for Handmaid's Tale was very detailed, and the designer was very particular about the furniture he built. So right. he let him keep the, like, the actual building because we are in a found space and the set pieces but he took all the furniture with him every time he left um and then when we had like our design presentation he would come in with the furniture but he was very particular about it but now I'm wondering if he kept it at the end of the show or if it belonged to the company I don't really know what the answer was but I was just curious because I do know like that one was a huge a huge model and it must have taken him
1: forever to do yeah so I guess I'm in the same position like East West will keep my Mamma Mia model, even though I've got it in my apartment right now. Yeah, so I was keep like,
0: it. I don't know I'll where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eventually, it'll go to East West.
1: Yeah, but I'll keep the um, the little chairs that I built or the people that I use in it. So I don't know if that's a thing that a lot of people do, but yeah, I'll keep all those little kind of a bit more intricate things. But I'll give the the broad um, model to East West.
0: Because do you use those multiple times? Yeah, repaint, reuse. Exactly. Yeah, I would. I'd keep them too. Chairs take a long time to build in model form. Yep. Much Much longer than just the base theater. That's fairly easy. Totally. Plus, you're less likely to use a moving blue staircase in a future show than a yeah, chair. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> yeah,
1: a Greek taverna. I, Maybe I'll do Mamma Mia again one day, but yeah, I don't
0: force being in that piece of set. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what are the some of the more complicated, because you do stuff in what I call traditional spaces, East West has a proscenium, but then you also, while working on East West Mamma Mia, were doing this, install found space you had like this massive map where they like loaded in cars and stuff like do you do you like a mixture of the both or do you get more excited about the big found spaces versus the traditional spaces um I think
1: it's definitely dependent project to project I don't right now I I I haven't done this long enough to have a preference um for what kind of space I like to work in. But yeah, this project that I was doing while working on Mamma Mia was called Autonomy, and we it was produced by Mixed Blood Theatre in Minneapolis, Um, and we we created this uh, mixture between a car show, a theatrical play, and kind of a ride for the audience. So we had this giant convention center, the the River Center in St. Paul, um, and had about 40 vintage or unique cars um, and the audience drove around in golf carts to each of the nine nine scenes of the play. Um, And so I had to design this path for golf carts to drive on surrounding nine separate kind of scenes which were their own Um, design their own art installation and and how to fit in all these beautiful unique cars around it Um, and and yeah so I guess if you think of like a Hot Wheels course or a a mini golf course (laughs) it was that but blown up with lots of golf carts and cars Um, and yeah it was an insane it was experience it was probably the hardest thing I've had to design because of just yeah having to figure out how to get thirty golf carts around a seventy seven thousand square foot space which gets filled up by these beautiful vintage cars super fast and and how to make it feel like the audience was not just kind of driving in one straight path um, to see all these things and to not have the audience be able to see every next scene before they've driven on to it. so. It was, yeah, a very, very hard thing to figure out but very, very rewarding And what I learned and, and the final product was, was really, really exciting.
0: How long was that installation or show or production there for?
1: A very small amount of time. So <laughs> I, <laughs> we'd been planning it for a while. Um, the artistic director, Jack, ruler. He's he's been dreaming up this project for many years. Um so it was planned for a long time, but then I flew to Minneapolis. Uh I think I caught the red eye flight on Sunday night. Arrived on Monday morning. We loaded in uh, to the to the convention center Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday we checked it. Thursday night we opened it. Oh. Sunday it closed. So, that is so
0: much work for four days.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got really great uh, footage and photos of it, so it will live on in in many forms. Um, maybe we'll do it again one day. Uh, but, yeah, it was a very intense week.
0: Wow. How, how much did you have to figure out about golf cart, turning radius, size, view, and all that? Because yep. that's not something yep. you normally have to know in theater. <laughs> no. And I had no
1: idea about it, um, so yeah, I had to think about all of that. How to, how to we? So each kind of group was five golf carts seeing a scene at a, a time, and then they'd move on, and the next five would go to that scene, and and so I had to figure out how to design each of these nine scenes um, to be a space where five golf carts could line up, bumper to bumper, and watch the scene and have and not have restricted sight lines. Um, So that was very, very hard to figure out. And then, yeah, how they could turn um, the corners and make it around the space um, safely because these golf carts were also driven by audience members. Yes! had a big gamble on that.
0: (laughs) I really wish I could have been. I was, you know, doing a show, Mamma Mia. But that sounds amazing!
1: Yeah, it was pretty incredible. and and then I had to figure out how to keep all these vintage cars safe from the golf cart so every (laughs) yeah yeah very dangerous every scene had to have some sort of barrier and thinking up creative ways to make barriers as opposed to just having like a stanchion um that was a big part of it um and then also uh yeah as I said before kind of concealing and revealing scenes um so that the the surprise of the the story of the show was not ruined before you'd you'd experienced you'd experienced it so
0: how, yeah, it was lot. <laughs> how did that work with I know you're not sound but how did that work with sound I think the sound design
1: for that show is probably the most complicated um part of it even more complicated than the set design and the video design that I did but the sound design our designer Scott Edwards he had to each audience member had a a wireless receiver and headphones and each actor was mic'd up and so he had to figure out a way to send specific signal to specific golf carts as they moved throughout the room and because this uh, the way that the show functioned was that like scene one would be played 12 times in a row as as you're kind of getting the whole audience through so um yeah there was a lot of a lot of things that he figured out um that meant that as the audience went through they had the specific scene that they were watching fed through their ears um because the actors were all mic'd up and yeah i yeah he did it amazingly and i have no idea how
0: yeah cuz at one point or at multiple points nine scenes were happening at a time with nine different yep. groups of five cars and mm-hmm. everyone only heard what they were supposed to be hearing yep wow yeah okay twin can you when work towards that it, i'm like i really wish i could do this
1: I know I, I mean I will definitely I haven't had time to go through all the videos that I took but at some point there'll be a really awesome highlights reel on my website that Excellent. that'll hopefully show people kind of what this crazy thing was.
0: Well we're definitely going to mm-hmm. attach pictures and stuff and your website so everybody can find it so we'll, we'll keep Perfect. updated and when that goes through we'll be like everybody watch this <laughs> yeah. I, well, because I was going to say you have until Friday to post it. Yeah you have till Friday. What else oh, are you doing? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a week. That's plenty yeah, of time. <laughs> sure. Not a problem. Uh, man, so like when you were done with that and then Mama Mia opened around the same time, like suddenly were you like, oh my God, I have so much free time and I can breathe again? I thought that would be the case. But <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> um,
1: uh, yeah i just move on to the next project um and for me at the moment um i'm am I'm, I'm a little bit relieved and i've got a little bit of time to rest because i'm assisting but it still takes up just as much brain space and and time just maybe a, a tiny bit less pressure but yeah mama mia was my first musical that i had ever designed and this car show autonomy was obviously the first of its kind that I'd ever designed. So for them to happen at the exact same time was this really, this this whirlwind of a moment that feels a little bit like a dream right now because it was just so much in such a short amount of time. But, yeah, it, things never really stop um, as, as a freelancer, You've just got to keep hustling for that next job. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought I was gonna have this really nice, you know, break. I maybe would go on a little vacation, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so can
0: you know, can you <laughs> can you talk about your next project or is it still kind of early stages? Yeah,
1: yeah, I can. I um well I'm assisting um Caitlin Petras, who I assist on Viet Gone and Jason Thompson at the Geffen Playhouse. They are nice. doing the video design for a show there. So I'm their associate video designer and um, and then I'm doing the scenic design for Pippin at UCLA. They do a really great um, musical theatre summer intensive for high school students um, and this year the musical is Pippin. So I'm, I'm working on hooking that next generation of theatre artists into theatre um, and, yeah, Pippin will be a really exciting um, – Really exciting show for high school students to do. I think if, if I was a high school student performing on, on the set that we're going to build, um, I would be sold and I would just do theater for the rest of my life, which I am doing. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm reeling all those young people in.
0: Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Got to keep them all what? hooked. Exactly. We all got sucked in somehow and need to keep the next group in. They need to pay what? for us to keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's so I have another question, but I, I might have missed the answer earlier. How did you get into that automobile show? Like, how was your connection there?
1: Yeah, so at UC San Diego, every year we do a festival called the Wagner New Play Festival, and it's where our playwrights get to have fully produced, um, have their plays fully produced in this festival, um, and, and our actors act in it, and all our designers design it. So it's this really amazing festival of new work and um, the school always invites uh, a selection of VIPs Um, so these are um, theatre practitioners from all around the country Um, generally they're geared towards um, they're like artistic directors or people that would pick up plays um, to be brought in and produced Um, and uh, the first so in my second year of u- of university um, I designed two shows in that festival and they were in rep so I had to design them to be switched around um, and one of the VIPs there was Jack Ruler who's the artistic director at Mixed Blood in Minneapolis um, and we all the students are able to take these VIPs out for coffee and um, meet them and kind of See what what they do and um, yeah, what theater is like around the states and and Jack and I um, had a really great connection and he really liked my work and and um, and then the following year he came back and he pretty much he said to me he's like Anna when you graduate I'll hire you and I was like oh this is awesome yeah <laughs> at the same time this was this was back in twenty sixteen maybe um, he he loosely mentioned this idea of this car show. Um, and at the time it was a little bit different than what it ended up being, but he had mentioned it there. And then I graduated and I reached out to him. I was like, Hey Jack, just letting you know I've graduated. Now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, not, not, dad, I'd really like to have a job. Yeah.
1: And he was like, all right. And, um, and I actually went out to mixed blood earlier in the year and I worked on a show there called row. Which we performed in their theatre space, um, and it's a it's a play um, about the Roe v Wade court case and kind of the history of that. Um, and yeah, a lot in that design process, he also brought up this car show again. And I was like, ah, oh, I'd wondered where that had got to, and and then we started working together on constructing this insane, um, insane, insane, insane car theater, ride show, extravaganza. Um, but yeah, so it was it was because he came out to San Diego and saw a whole bunch of new plays um, that, yeah, I ended up now being a collaborator of his and, and a friend and, and, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for that relationship.
0: That is such a cool idea that, that Cal State San Diego does. I don't know why more schools don't do that, like actually make connections with people.
1: Yeah, we've got a really, really great playwriting course, um, playwriting division, um, and they put a lot of a lot of effort into um, our playwrights and into their their future and their careers. Um, so the yeah, it's it's kind of geared towards the playwrights, but it, it definitely it helps every single person who's involved. Um, I know actors have been, um, you know cast and things because of those vips that come to see the shows it's yeah it's a great great festival of work
0: yeah that's amazing mm. yeah okay we're getting close to an hour we try to keep them close to an hour uh twin you have any more questions before i throw in the final one <laughs> no that was my one just because i was excited about how that project worked out i was like how do i get involved in
1: these things yeah mixed blood theater in minneapolis is a very very kind of exciting and inventive. Group of group of artists and Jack is a great. Um, he imagines these insane projects.
0: That's it, twin. You know what to do when you're not busy at <laughs> Teatro Nuovo. Well, I'm looking them up already. Okay, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, so final question, which doesn't necessarily have to do with theater. Do you have any twin stories?
1: Yes. Well, you prepared me for this question, so I, I got did to, got to think of it. Um I wouldn't say I've got um direct twin stories, but I do come from a family where I have a lot of brothers and sisters um and my one of my older sisters and my younger brother are born on the exact same day so oh slightly. you said you like connections yeah, my parents they when they split up, I got a whole set of new siblings. Um, and two of those new siblings, so one on my dad's side and one on my mum's side, are also born on the exact same day <laughs> and the exact same year. so that's also a bit creepy. Yeah. And then <laughs> my two older sisters who have now had children of their own, two of my, one of my yeah, two of them are born on the same day. So yeah, I've got three sets of people in my family. That are born on the same day, so birthday twins, not real twins. That's
0: interesting. (laughs) I don't think we've. I'm sure we've met one or two people who are born on the same day as us, but nobody else in our families. They're born like within a week or two, but not on the same day. Yeah, Yeah. they're all very spaced out.
1: And I know, I know, you know, I'm sure my sisters are were not entirely happy that they both had children born on the same day, but we have really big parties.
0: Exactly. Saves <laughs> on that. My party next like you do it this year and next year we'll do it at my house. Less exactly. cleaning and organizing. That's cool and though, that because then you also choice? have you also have cousins and stuff that are like extremely close to your age. <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Exactly. It's all good. It's all good.
0: But yeah. No, I've
1: got some great friends that are twins, but Yeah. Excellent.
0: Well at least twins are still around doing exciting things they are whatever it is (laughs) i'm very happy to know you twins i know you should twin you need to figure out how to work with anna at some point yeah let's do it yep i'll work on that well she's (laughs) just did her first musical so i might have to give her some time before she does opera but she knows opera so
1: i yeah because i've grown up around opera i'm waiting for my chance to get into opera um i'm so fascinated by it as a as a a place for design so yeah maybe we should talk
0: yeah and yeah. cindy likes doing the new weird experimental fun operas you yeah. don't have to design the same set as everybody else oh who wants to do boring stuff yeah yeah exactly. you don't <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> okay we have hit one hour yay and we yay. finally <laughs> it's been two months we finally did another <laughs> podcast <laughs> yay and is this your first podcast with a New Zealander? Yes. I yeah, we've had, Ooh. let's see, Tim was from Canada, but born in China. Okay. Yeah. And Jakob is German. Berlin, yeah. But I think you're the only one from anywhere down south. <laughs> anywhere in the southern hemisphere. I'm yeah. Happy to represent. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't know anybody else from down there. <laughs> no. Well, excellent. <laughs> I know I was like, twin, you're gonna love her. She's got an <laughs> accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope What's your, it? your, I your listeners you. can understand me. Ah, uh, they're fine.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I have to talk on the phone and try to put on an American accent.
0: <laughs> I was telling <laughs> <very> someone <laughs> When when we were at the open we were at the opening night of Mamma Mia and you were trying to order a drink. But yeah. you were saying sparkling, but you were saying it in your accent, and then you sparkling. were trying to say it in our accent, and you were like, wait, wait, sparkling. sparkling. <laughs> I just
1: want sparkling water, and so I have to say sparkling water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've learned. Good job. <clears throat> <laughs> You'll be sucked into California anytime now. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Okay, well, time for everyone to go back to work or whatever everybody's doing. I'm going to eat dinner. Twins probably going to go back to work. I might watch some television. Excellent! Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably actually eat dinner and watch Deadwood. Yeah, 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 good. Sounds good. Okay, thank you for being on our podcast! Thank you so much for having me! <laughs> thank you! I hope to meet you soon! Yes, definitely. All right. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstalktheater.podbean.com. and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstalktheater. Theatre. Music, Dance McCop, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.